scripture reading this morning is Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God bless the reading of and the hearing of his word. Good morning! How's everybody today? Good? Good. All right. Did anybody watch the marathon on Monday? Uh, we watched parts of it. We saw the, the male winner.
train like I train? Are you able to pay the price that I'm paying? Because I could never go out and run a marathon. I might get about two blocks, and then I'd be done. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wouldn't work for me. But James and John said, yes, we can do that. And Jesus said, well, that's great, because you probably need to anyway. However, I can't give you a prize I'm not the one that gives the prizes. The Father gives. Now, they weren't too happy with that answer. And when the other disciples heard that they even had the audacity to ask, they weren't very happy either. And they're like, well, we're working really hard for you. You deserve something, right? And Jesus kind of flipped the coin. He said, you know, people of this country here, they have a little power, and it goes to their heads. They have won an award, and they think they're all that in a bag of chips. But you know what? They're really not anything. That bag of chips is long gone. Anyway, if you want to have a prize, you need to be a servant. Okay, that doesn't make too much sense. The winner is the one that should get all the glory, the prize, not the person in last place. someone needs, you can be that servant to them. Maybe they'll win the trophy, but you'll win the most important trophy. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have called us not to be people of power that lord over others, but to be servants. Help us to reach out to God in service whether it's a hand surrender all to you. We surrender even our preconceived ideas. Um, I surrender what I think I'm going to say today and ask that you will speak through me and open up the ears of all who listen to really hear from you and you alone today. In Jesus' name, amen. So you probably heard that there are different learning styles, right? People have different ways that they learn best. Um, some people learn pretty well just by listening in a situation like this. I could say something and you could remember it months later, maybe. <laughs> um, other people learn better by reading. They, they could hear something and not remember it, but they could see it on a page and then it's going to stick. Um, and still other people learn better by participating in what they're learning. 
I actually have a hunch that most of us really learn better that way. It's just some of us don't prefer that way. <laughs> um, but I think that Jesus' disciples were in a really good position because they got to hear what he was saying, they got to watch what he was doing, and they got to participate in what he was um, was about, what he was trying to explain and trying to establish as he tried to establish his kingdom on earth. Um, we don't have that advantage, unfortunately. We don't even really have the advantage of doing it quite that way with each other because we come here on a Sunday morning and then we all go home and kind of do our own thing. Um, but so today we're going to just try to make this a little bit more, I usually ask you guys questions, but we're going to try to make this a little bit more interactive even than usual. And so we're actually in the final stretch of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to wrap this up right before Advent. And um, so it seems like a good time to have a little review. I would love to hear from you anything um, that you would say you have learned about or from Jesus in this series so far. not easy, but his yoke is easy. <laughs> Jesus is fully a man. That's really important. Why would you, how would you say you got that? differently. That is Yeah. This is great, you guys. So Jesus is fully human. He ex he experiences everything we experience. But he doesn't deal with it the same way we do. And what he's trying to do is get people to follow him so that they start to deal with stuff the way he does, which is not easy. Yes, he spent a lot of time with his father. He expects a lot from us, but has mercy. Yeah, that's true. Jesus Jesus himself encompasses all of Scripture, and he teaches from all of Scripture. He draws from Genesis, he draw, and, and Matthew does, and speaks into the future.
Yes, Jesus is flipping things, right? He's flipping expectations. He's flipping values. He says, um, we didn't actually, this time, have a sermon about the rich young ruler, but that was actually a couple passages ago in Matthew, where, you know, people, as Ray says, we, and actually in this country, we have the American dream, right? Your house and your white picket fence, I don't know if anybody wants those anymore. Um, and offense, you don't have to pay, right? That, that stuff that you can get at Home Depot now. Um, and, and your the romantic relationship of your choice and maybe some kids and definitely a nice car. And Jesus is saying, you don't need that. Give it away. Sell it to the poor. Follow me. Yes, excellent. showing us not to be proud, to be humble, and to trust in him. Absolutely. <laughs> it was weird. He, yeah, he wasn't what you would expect of anybody really at that, any male at that time period. Um, but as a Jewish rabbi, he had women followers. He spoke to them like normal human beings. He wasn't what you would expect. This is great. I'm really happy about this. Because two weeks ago, I asked what was the main message of Matthew, and it was dead silent. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what have we been doing since Easter? <laughs> um, but I'm also really happy about this because I, I'm sort of wondering, it sounds like maybe you guys are getting this better than the disciples did, as we'll see in a minute. Um, a guy named Matt Carr says that a kingdom mindset is radically different. I feel like this kind of sums up everything that we've all been saying. A kingdom mindset is radically different from a conqueror mindset because the kingdom of Jesus is radically different from the kingdoms of this world. Our power is different. Our message is different. Our weapons are different. And our victory is different. And so the question for this morning is, are the followers of Jesus in this in Gospel of Matthew, are they getting it yet? Well, I was going to say, so then the next question is, are we really getting it? I think we're kind of getting it, but, you know, it's one of these things that, as uh, Tim said, there are, these are, this is a high bar, right? So, I just want to really quick, the last six to eight weeks that we've been looking at um, to see where we've been immediately before this. So we started that section with the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John get to see Jesus as he really is, glorified for not very long, but they, they get to see a different Jesus than anybody else gets to see in this expression of Jesus' lifetime. Um, and Peter makes this great, famous statement of faith, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the disciples start to bicker about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus takes a little kid and says, this kid, this kid is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, you have to become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and he says, he basically says, all of you are siblings. Nobody's 
better or worse than anybody. You're, you're all kids in the kingdom and you're siblings, and this is how you get along as siblings in the kingdom of God. And there's the passage about what to do if your brother or sister sins. Um, and then he talks a little bit more. This is how you grow up in the kingdom. You forgive. That's really a sign of maturity in the kingdom is the ability to forgive. And so he talks about that. And then almost to kind of solidify that, a few verses later, some more children show up. Some moms are around and these kids and the disciples are like, no, no, go away. And, um, and Jesus says, no, let the little children come to me because this is who the kingdom of heaven is for. And then we get to this passage that we're looking at today, Matthew 20, 17 to 28. And Jesus, it's this chapter 17, or verse 17, um, starts with Jesus telling his disciples about how he is going to have to suffer and die. Matthew tells us, this is the third time he's told them this. After all this other stuff has happened. So, we haven't done this here in a while, but we're going to do some imaginative reading or listening um, that sometimes I read the passage to you again and ask you to close your eyes and imagine that you're somebody in the passage. And usually I ask you to imagine that you're one of the disciples or like the woman at the well or whatever, but this time I'm going to ask you to try to imagine how Jesus feels in this interaction. someone suggested that I try to think in terms of me as Jesus, it felt really uncomfortable. I'm not saying give yourself a God complex. <laughs> That's actually the opposite of what I'm saying. But the Bible tells us that as we are following Jesus, we are supposed to gain the mind of Christ. And so I'm asking you to imagine the mind of Christ. You're, you're in aren't Jesus, but just see if you can maybe empathize with Jesus a little bit. This is our goal. We're supposed to become like him. This is what God wants for us. So um, try to see if you can put yourself in Jesus' mind. And I'm going to read our passage, or part of our passage, again, um, slowly. Don't read along. Close your eyes and listen and try to imagine what, how Jesus is reacting his heart and his mind to this scenario. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, woman named John, came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking said to them, Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered him. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, 
Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many.
And I think there's hints of that in his question to James and John. Do you really know what you are asking? This is something we should think about when we are talking to God and we're asking for really anything. Do we really know what we are asking? Here's the facts in this particular story. James and John, and maybe their mom, because she just kind of appears out of nowhere. She might have been following along. There were women following Jesus. So James and John and their mom have faith in Jesus. That Jesus is the promised Messiah. They have faith that this promised Messiah has a kingdom that he is going to establish, and they have faith that they are supposed to be part of it. I think that Jesus' frustration in this is probably that somehow, even after all this time, kind of like Barbara uh, indicated, somehow even after all this time, they are missing that this is an entirely different kind of kingdom from any other kingdom or organization or anything that they are used to. And we know they're missing that because the other, and that the other disciples are missing it because of the way the other disciples react to it. They all understand that what's underlying this question is James and John want to be second and third in command over all the other guys and gals. In verses 24 to 28, this is the place in the Gospel of Matthew, the whole Gospel has been leading to this, or has been sharing this message, but this is where Jesus spells it out. The kingdom of God is different from the empires of the world. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead... Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying, look you guys, whoever is asking, <laughs> you're all on the same level. We don't do this power-grabbing thing in the kingdom. I don't even do it, and I'm the Son of Man. The Messiah, he's saying, I came to be served. I came to serve, not to be served, and to give up my life for other people. This is what the kingdom is. That's what you guys need to do too. So, when Jesus asks, "Do you really know what you are asking?" the first part is, "Do we really know what we are asking God?" The kingdom is not about power, it's not about rank, it's not about influence even. It's actually, according to what Jesus says right here, it's about weakness. It's about the underdog. It's even maybe about obscurity. When Jesus gave his parables a few months ago um, about what the kingdom is like, it was like a seed, it was like yeast. It's this quiet thing that does influence, and it does change things. It does transform the landscape, but not in a, in, 
imposing from the top down, but it happens quietly, kind of under the radar. It's The kingdom is about humility, about patience, and about love. The second thing that is part of this, do you really know what you were asking, is do you really know, or do we really know, what we are asking of each other? Jesus is trying to build a kingdom that's totally different than any on earth because it's a kingdom that works like family and not like the mafia family. A community that loves God and because we love God, cares for each other. A body, as the Apostle Paul describes it, that looks to our head, Jesus, none of us is the head, none of us, none of those disciples are the head, Jesus is the head, we look to him to empower us to be humble, to put others first, even first, not just first for ourselves, but before some kind of institutional structure or some kind of kingdom or some kind of organization, put others first and forgive. James and John, or their mom, asked to sit at Jesus' right and left. But what does that mean? This is kind of to Bernice's question. What does that mean they were indirectly asking of the other disciples? Yeah, back of the line. So I think this is probably why Jesus might have been a little discouraged. He knows what he's going to do loves them, and he's going to do it. But he probably was hoping they would have been a little further along in getting it by now. Might have encouraged him as he looks ahead to what's coming. But here's why I think he was also maybe a little delighted. Nothing delights God more than when we ask to be close to Jesus. James and John, or their mom, asked to sit at Jesus' right and left, but what were they really asking for? What's that? Authority. Power. Kudos. Right. So here's where we might want to talk about felt needs versus real needs. Have you heard of this? There are things that people feel like they need. I really, really, really need this. My felt need is words of affirmation. I need people to tell I think I need people to tell me that I did a good job. I don't function very well when that doesn't happen. This is not an invitation for you to all do that. I'm just being honest here. Um, don't tell me I do a good job if I'm not doing a good job. But this is my felt need. What I really need is for Jesus to continue to affirm what he's telling me to do and when I've done it. Um, so the James and John's felt need is power or kudos or authority or just somehow they need to be on top. Um, their real need, what's their real need though? What's that? Well, understanding... Part of that, that, that 
myself. That's my real need too. Right. That's all of our real need. That doesn't mean that there aren't specific things that each of us need in our lives. But when you're talking about core issues, Jesus is the source of all of our needs. If we go for the the felt needs and just use Jesus as like a means to the end, we're going to end up selling ourselves short. We're going to lose out. But if we go to Jesus, for Jesus, he will give us everything. Um, so when back early, early in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Seek the kingdom, seek Jesus and everything else that you need will be taken care of. I have a friend that I was talking to this week and she was saying that she, um, there was a period in her life where Jesus was really important to her, but not so much anymore. And I asked her why, and she said, well, before, I used to be a little bit more worried about hell, and I knew that Jesus was the way to, for people to avoid hell. I agree. However, I asked her, so, now that you think differently about hell, you, it sounds like you kind of lost Jesus. And she was like, yeah, maybe I have. Um, even really good, really important things, if we are just using Jesus as like a tool, we are going to miss out because when our situation changes, whether it's our perspective or the actual situation, suddenly Jesus isn't as important anymore. But when Jesus is the most important thing, all the other things are in their right place. I actually wonder if this is what's connected to passages that seem really frustrating where Jesus says anything you ask in my name will be given to you because we are asking for what we think we need Jesus is going to give us in that what we actually need so James and John are asking for power they actually understand that there is going to be a cost because if this kingdom were coming like any other kingdom had ever come there, was, there would probably be some kind of coup, some kind of military violence. They knew that in some way they were putting their lives on the line. And that's probably what they thought when Jesus says, can you drink the cup? They're like, yeah, sure we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, right. They understood that their Messiah could not fail. But even though he kept telling them, they didn't understand that Jesus himself was going to die, and it would look like he had failed miserably. They didn't understand that being close to Jesus meant that they would have to die to themselves. But when that happened, their felt needs for power and superiority would disappear, and they would get what they were really asking for without realizing it, Jesus and their own true selves. That need for power, that need for influence, that need for rank would go away 
That's really not who they were. And when that goes away, because of Jesus, they get Jesus and they get who they really are. And they get to experience true life, and they would participate with Jesus in establishing his kingdom, a community of selfless, loving imitators of Jesus. They ultimately got what they asked for, even though Request that we can ever make in our entire lives is be close to Jesus. If that's what we ask, that's what we get. It just might not be how or quite what we thought we were asking. Jesus isn't like a regular king. The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The closer we get to Jesus, as we ask that prayer and God answers it, the more we'll become like him. There's another description of this exact thing that the Apostle Paul put in Philippians 2. People think that this is an early hymn. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross this approach is the exact opposite of how empires are established it's the opposite of how businesses are established it's even the opposite of how many churches are established and that is why? It's because it's the opposite. That's the only way that type of empire system can be overturned and overthrown and the world turned back right side up. Because the empire ways, the way that we all know how to do it, but it's actually upside down. So we've been following Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew for most of this year, and I will tell you, I felt like Jesus of the Holy Spirit told me that this is what we needed to do. I felt like he said, we're going to focus on Jesus this year. And I was like, okay, how do we do that? Um, and then I felt like he pointed me to Matthew. Um, I'm not sure I knew what I was asking or what Jesus was asking. Because let's be honest, James and John asked Jesus to to him. But Jesus originally, years before, asked them to follow him. Jesus' invitation always comes first. We don't always know what Jesus is asking either, do we? This year has been really weird for me. I feel like I have, I don't know what it's been like for you, but because I have to work on these passages during the week too, they... I feel like they are just kind of the backdrop of everything that I've been experiencing this year here and my family life and then on the pilgrimage and, and everything. And I'm just going to say following Jesus is kind of tough. <laughs> it was easy ever to do it. Yeah, right. Um, and I think part of why it's been tough is that I guess I'm not done becoming like a little child, in order to grow up into someone who 
flawlessly embodies the kingdom. My empire nature doesn't really like to have to be a servant or to grieve or to not be able to control everything or whatever. I'm not done becoming like a little child. But the only way to get like that is to keep close to Jesus and remain with Christ. And the reward is if we go, if we stay close to Jesus through becoming nothing, through becoming like a little child, through taking the nature of a servant, then the reward is getting to be close to Jesus in his victory too. Philippians 2 goes on to say, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, most of us have already accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him, but it's not a terrible idea to um, spend a little time rethinking that and recommitting ourselves. So our final hymn is, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus is inviting you. He keeps inviting you. It's not like he said, follow me one time and then, yeah, and then forgot about it or whatever. He is inviting you every day is an invitation to you to follow him. Do you know what you're deciding? Don't be quite what you expect. So, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing that hymn. But I ask, I'm going to ask you today, you can stand up with us if you're not feeling it. Please only sing this song today if this is your myself still want to follow you. I pray that you will help me to be faithful and to be more mindful of what I am asking. Thank you that you do understand our shortcomings, that you do understand that we're really trying to get it, but we don't always get it. Thank you that you love us and you came just for people like us. that we get close to you, 